thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast with Pastor Joseph Gibson at Cranberry Community Church. We hope God speaks to your heart through today's message. I'm excited to begin a new series today called Remember. It's going to be a short series, uh, but I'm excited. I'm especially excited this specific morning because uh, I get to talk about one of my favorite storylines uh, in all of Scripture and all of the Old Testament. Uh, it's something that you may have heard me talk about before if you've been here before, but that's okay. I need to talk about it again just to lay a foundation for where we're going today. Uh, so with your permission, I'm going to talk about it just a little more. Uh, but I'm going to begin with a little bit of sports trivia. I was thinking about Joel Osteen's church this morning. He always says, I like to start with, with something kind of funny. Well, I'm going to start with sports trivia. It's going to be our new thing, except we're only doing it today because it <laughs> goes with a message. So, uh, No, it's not, not the Bulldogs today. Uh, I was going to go with the Steelers, but it's just not a good time to talk about the Steelers. So uh, go ahead and put that picture on the screen for me. And I want you to see if you guys can figure out who this man is. Uh, this man was the right fielder for the New York Yankees in the 1930s. He was a two-time All-Star, a five-time World Series champion. He was born in uh, Canada, so he was elected into both the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame and the Ontario Sports Hall of Fame. Does anybody know who he is? I'll even tell you his name, and I bet you don't know who he is. His name is George Selkirk. Okay. Uh, even with a pretty solid baseball resume, uh, you don't know who this guy is. And that's because this is the guy who replaced Babe Ruth. Um, everybody knows who Babe Ruth is because Babe Ruth is a legend. Nobody cares anything about the guy who followed Babe Ruth. Uh, his own manager, Joe McCarthy, later said of this George guy, uh, he said he had the toughest assignment in all of baseball. Nobody ever had a tougher assignment because stepping into the shoes of a legend is just an impossible task. There are enormous expectations and it's just an overwhelming thought. Today we're talking about Joshua. Uh, Joshua was the man who stepped into the shoes of a legend named Moses. He was the guy who followed Moses. Moses was a legend of his time. Moses is the guy uh, who encountered God in the burning bush, who spoke to God face to face as you would a friend. Moses is the guy who stood before Pharaoh and demanded the release of the Israelite people, who led them across the Red Sea on dry ground, who led them through 40 years in the wilderness where there were countless miracles and manna falling from the sky and all these things happening. And he led them to the very brink of the promised land of Canaan. That's Moses. Joshua is the guy that had to follow that up. Would not want to be Joshua. But that's where the people now stood they, as we transition out of Deuteronomy and into the book of Joshua. Uh, this is where Moses died and the mantle of leadership was given to Joshua. Uh, and as Joshua takes over as successor to Moses, the only thing now separating the Israelite people from the promised land uh, is the Jordan River. Now the Bible says not only is it the Jordan River, but it's the Jordan River at flood stage. How are they going to cross the Jordan River to get to the promised land, which had been promised for generations, ever since the time of Abraham? This is what they had their hearts set on. Now before Moses died, just before he died, he gathered all of the Israelite people together and he, he said to them, hey, I, I am 120 years old, uh, I'm ready to go now, I'm not crossing over the Jordan River, river with you, 
uh, but God is going to go before you. Not only is God going to go before you, but Joshua is going to go before you. And then in sight of everyone, Moses called for Joshua. And I want to read what he said to Joshua in Deuteronomy 31, 7 and 8. Uh, Kevin, I got a little feedback. I don't know if, if that can come down at all. Um, Beginning in verse 7, it says, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel. So he gathers him in front of Israel because he wants everyone to see what's taking place here. And he says to Joshua, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to, to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Thank you, Kevin. That's good. Now, Emily is not here this morning. She's on the way uh, back for Virgin from Virginia. But if she were here, she would testify uh, to the fact that, that something happens sometimes with, with me and her. And that is, she will ask me to do something for her. And I'm not sure if anyone here can relate, but then she'll come back later and she'll say, hey, did you do that? And I will say, I literally have no recollection of that conversation <laughs> whatsoever. Um, I have a gift where I can just forget entire conversations. I literally won't remember a thing. I think it's my spiritual gift. But uh, so, so like this one time, she... she I was supposed to heat the potatoes, the baked potatoes, and they take like an hour, right? Well, I remember to put them in the oven. I forgot to turn the oven on. So they get home and they're like, are the potatoes ready? I said, they've been in the oven for an hour. And they go over and they said, you forgot to turn the oven on. I knew I forgot something. So what she has learned to do now is if something is really, really important, she will repeat it over and over. She will say, Joseph, these are the potatoes. The oven has to be turned on for them to cook. And she'll repeat it several times. And I cannot say much about it because I know this gift I have to forget everything she says. But I, I wonder if I share this trait with Joshua. Because what Moses has just said to Joshua, be strong and courageous, God then turns around and he says it to him over and over and over. You thick-headed Joshua, get this in your skull, be strong and courageous. So let's read that together, beginning in Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea into the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn, to it, uh, turn from it to the right or left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate it on it, on it day and night, 
so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. There's number three. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I love that God says, have I not commanded you to do this? Be strong and courageous. We're coming out of the life of Moses, where God has just given Moses over 600 commands for himself and the people. But when it comes to Joshua, he says, first and foremost, here is your command. You be strong and you be courageous. And this strength and this courage would be based on two things. The knowledge that God is with you and the knowledge that God is going before you. Now, here's what I love in this passage. Sometimes it's helpful for me if you're telling me uh, what to do to start by telling me what to stop doing or to not do. And God here with Joshua gives him both. He tells him what to do, be strong and courageous. But in Joshua 1.9, he also tells him what not to do. He says, Joshua, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. And I feel like sometimes, church, that's what we can relate to more. When we are walking into seasons that require great faith, two things that can paralyze us more than anything, two things that can keep us from moving forward in God's plan for us are fear and discouragement. Fear of failure, for one, holds us from taking steps of faith. Uh, uh, it can be fear of failure, fear of being hurt, whatever the case. And then there's discouragement. It can be just as debilitating because if we finally take that, that leap of faith, Sometimes we have that expectation. Hey, God, if I leap, after I leap, everything's supposed to be easy. And what happens is we overcome the fear, we take the leap, and then it's not easy, and we still have obstacles, and we become discouraged. And what God is saying to Joshua is I'm making this as plain as, as I possibly can. Because this is what Joshua is walking into. First, you have to overcome your fear, and you have to cross the Jordan River. But second, when you get across the Jordan River, and it's not as easy as you envision, don't become discouraged. And church, I just want to say that to you this morning. As you are walking out your, your calling in this life, don't let fear dictate your life, and do not let discouragement dictate your life. Bible says this, it says, we, we have not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. So church, we walk by faith, not by sight. We, church, uh, we walk by faith, not according to the amount of obstacles that stand in our path. We, we walk by faith, not according to fear. And secondly, we do not give in to dis discouragement. Discouragement will come. But we do not give in to it. We don't let it determine our lifestyle. Uh, I just want to say obstacles in your path does not mean that you're on the wrong path. And you might be there this morning where you took a step of faith and you're saying, now I see obstacles. Maybe I took the wrong step. Obstacles in your path does not imply that you are on the wrong path. We walk by faith because God told us to. Now let's return to the story of Joshua. Uh, some of you know that I cannot tell the story of Joshua without going into the, the crossing of the Jordan River. You say, Pastor, I've just about memorized this by now. And I say, good, that's the point. So in Joshua chapter 3, we'll begin in verse 7. It says, The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. 
And then we move on to verse 13. It says, And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, step foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage during all of the harvest. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a great heap, a, a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the sea of, of uh, the Dead Sea was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had com uh, completed the crossing on dry ground. Now again, I want us to consider two things that are going on here. What are the two sources of his courage and his strength? The first is the knowledge that God was with him. Not only did God say, I'm going to be with you, but he said, I'm going to be with you in the exact same way that I was with Moses, which is why this is so fascinating, because Moses led the people across an impassable body of water on dry ground, the Red Sea. God performed a miracle. They crossed on dry ground. And now Joshua is the exact same way, an impassable body of water. It's the Jordan River. It's at flood stage, yet they cross on dry ground by God's miracle. So when God said, uh, uh, Joshua, I'm going to be with you the same way that I was with Moses, he was literally saying, I'm going to be with you the same way that I was with Moses, and I'm going to show this to the people. Uh, we, we see that in Deuteronomy 31.8, where he said, the Lord himself, uh, or, or this is the second thing that, that Moses said, the Lord himself will go before you or will go ahead of you. Now, remember when the Jordan River stopped, if you want to put Joshua 3.16 on the screen, uh, um, when the flow of the river stopped, it tells us two things. It says it happened a great distance away, and it happened at a town called Adam. Uh, this town we've discovered, it's a modern-day uh, site. Uh, if you want to put that name, because I don't know if I want to try to pronounce it, uh, Tel Edomiah or something like that. That sounded good. Uh, it's about 16 miles north of where the Israelites crossed the Jordan River. We know where this location is today. Uh, it's located in the Rift Valley. It's a, an area that even today is prone to earthquakes. So what we know based on secular history, uh, that means history recorded outside of the Bible, is we know that this area is prone to earthquakes and on at least six occasions, uh, an earthquake has called the, caused the banks of the Jordan River to fall into the Jordan River, which completely stopped the flow of the river. Most recently, this happened in 1927. An earthquake caused about 150 feet uh, of cliffside to fall into the river, and the Jordan River stopped flowing for over 21 hours. Now, I love that we have this extra biblical support for the biblical narrative. We can see actually uh, um, the history provides support for our faith when we really, really look into it. But what I really love here is if the water stopped flowing 16 miles upstream, that means that the stoppage of flow would have taken several hours to reach where they actually crossed the river. 
What that means is that before Joshua and the men ever stepped foot in the Jordan River, God had actually gone ahead of them a couple of hours in time to stop the flow of the water so that when they stepped their foot in the water, God had already prepared the miracle. All they had to do was step out in faith. So when Moses said to Joshua, hey, God will go ahead of you, he was being literal. God is going to go ahead of you and prepare the way for you, hours ahead of you. And this is incredible to me, church, that God prepares our way. The Bible says in Ephesians uh, that God has prepared good works in advance for us to do. Do you believe that? That when you leave this place and you encounter somebody, God has prepared their hearts long before you actually encounter them, and He's just waiting on us to step into the miracle. But church, we still haven't gotten to where I want to get this morning. We're just taking the scenic route. How many of you like the scenic route? Because here's the thing that's going on. Uh, When they cross the Jordan River, God has done an absolutely incredible miracle. But as they stand now on the other side of the Jordan River, if we look in Scripture at what lies ahead of them, they have to go to battle with an impenetrable city of Jericho. Then they have to go to battle with an unbeatable army of of Ai. And then there are five kings who join their their nations together and say, hey, all five of our nations will go to battle against the Israelites. So what I'm saying is, how long did Joshua actually have to enjoy the miracle that God just did before he's looking at the mountain of obstacles in his future? Uh, when, When they get on the other side of the Jordan, they're actually kind of in between. They're living in between the miracle that God just performed and the many, many more miracles that they need God to perform uh, for them. And we can see why God's command was twofold. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Because life, the, the challenges weren't over after the first miracle. And I want to focus on that for a few minutes this morning, the in-between, because this, this in-between moment that God, uh, this in-between moment in Joshua's life, God gave him one of the most unique commands in all of Scripture. Uh, if, we, if we look at it, what happens is once they cross the Jordan, God says, now I want you to send 12 men back into the river, into the dry ground. And those 12 men had them gather 12 stones, large stones, and bring them out. And we get to Joshua uh, chapter 4, verse 6. And God is speaking to Joshua, and he says, In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And then it says this, These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. And what I see here is he is saying, Joshua, when you are in those in-between seasons, I want you to set up a memorial so that you will always remember my uh, faithfulness in the past. When you are in that in-between where you can easily become discouraged by the mountain of obstacles in your future, I want you to literally stop and I want you to think about God's faithfulness in your past. And I think that is so important to us this morning Because I think most of us, if not all of us, live in the in-between. Most of us would say, at some point in my life, God has done a miraculous work. 
God has pulled through for me here. He's done incredible things. But most of us would also say, when I look in my future, I see a lot of obstacles. And we're in this in-between of, do I celebrate the past or do I worry about the future? And when I look at this passage, what I see God saying is, stop for a minute. Stop being infatuated by, by the obstacles in your future and place your focus on the faithfulness of God in the past. There are times, church, that we just need to stop worrying, literally stop, and look at all that God has done for us. Uh, today is a, a special day for our church family uh, because it was six years ago today uh, that we launched Cranberry Community Church. It's the six-year birthday uh, of our church family. And what I felt impressed to do this morning uh, is to just stay, take a step back because uh, when we look to the future of the church, uh, we have a, a lot of big vision that requires a lot of big provision. Uh, and, and there is a grind to it, uh, and there, there can, it can be overwhelming. What I felt impressed to do this morning is to stop right here and to look back at God's faithfulness over the past six years. So six years ago, we launched CCC in the Cranberry Mall, and we did so with the knowledge uh, that uh, an average of about 80% of church plants fell within the first two years. Uh, I remember there in the early days, we, we did a, a series called The Irresistible Church. And the idea was not that the church would be irresistible to you. It's that the church would be irresistible to the blessing of God. So one of the things that we did from the very beginning is we said we are laying the, the gospel and missions as the foundation of our church. Uh, as a rule, we give 10% uh, of everything that comes into the church uh, goes to missions. Anything that you give on top towards missions goes to missions. But that first Sunday, just to make a statement, we said, God, we're giving everything to missions. Everything that comes in the door, we're laying that foundation that we are a missions first church. And we had some people that gave a year of back tithe that day. So it was a, a substantial amount that we put all into missions. Now, uh, what I'm talking about right now is not a, hey, look at me. It's a, hey, look at the grace of God and the power of God. Over the past six years, we've given now more than $75,000 towards missions and outreach. Uh, we have seven missionaries that we support on a monthly basis, anywhere between $50 and $100 a month. Uh, we have supported gospel-centered missions and causes in 16 different nations across five of the seven continents. We've dug two water wells in impoverished villages in India. Uh, we have funded the rescue of two girls out of uh, sex trafficking so that they could be housed for six months and trained in job skills so that they wouldn't have to go back into sex trafficking. We funded the church plant and paid the salary of a pastor for a year in Cuba, a church that is still meeting and growing today. So as we're meeting right now, there's a church, uh, the Cranberry Branch in Cuba. We call it CCCC, Cranberry Community <laughs> Church of Cuba. Now we call it that, I don't really think they call it that, but uh, uh, we have reached thousands of people in our own community through outreaches to the hospital, to the schools, to first responders, Easter outreaches. Next year, we hope to eclipse over 50 baptisms in the Allegheny River. We have seen dozens of decisions for Jesus Christ, and can I tell you, I don't know what the future holds. I know there is a lot uh, for us in the future that's going to take a lot of hard work, but this morning, I feel the call to stand in the middle of the Jordan and pull out some stones and say, look what God has done for our church family. 
I thank God for that, and I thank you for your faithfulness to this church and your giving to this church, because we don't exist without you. And I want to say to you individually, some of you this morning might need to go back into the river of your own life and pull out some stones and begin to name the things that God has done for you. You guys can stand with me if you would. God, we recognize this morning that life is not without obstacles. This morning we shift our focus away from the obstacles and we focus on the way maker. The one who makes a way where there seems to be no way. The one who is faithful to the end. So this morning, God, we're just going to sing about your goodness and your faithfulness to us. And I pray that your spirit would just remind us of all the times that you have been so faithful. That you would remind us that you'll be faithful again. In Jesus' name. If you know anything about our church family, you know we don't miss any opportunity for cake. So today we have birthday cake out in the lobby just to celebrate. Uh, I don't care if it's your first time with us or you've been with us since that very first day. Uh, just celebrate with us, have some cake, uh, and uh, go lay some stones in your life and praise God for them. Amen? Uh, have a good week. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for a new message every single week. And as always, from all of us at Cranberry Community Church, may God bless you.